Hi there, parents of highly sensitive kids. Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we are going to cover the weight of intensity that your highly sensitive children's siblings are dealing with, right? Your other kids, what's going on? How are they struggling? Where are they uh, stuck? How to best support your highly sensitive siblings when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, right? All right, so if you're struggling with this, you have multiple children and you're parenting a highly sensitive kid, then definitely make sure that you listen to today's show. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids eliminate the daily meltdown, shutdown, refusal, isolation, outbursts, yelling, screaming, kicking, cycle, whatever you want to call it, guys. Uh, We call it the meltdown cycle here at MTC. Um, but you know, parents come to us and they're like, oh, my kid's not really having meltdowns, but maybe you can help us, right? So don't get stuck on the word. What we wanna focus on is that the behavior is a symptom, okay? We help parents break out of this cycle in uh, as little as eight weeks with our systems. And so when we think about being able to support you and your family, your kid, your teenager who's stuck in these um, dynamics, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about what your, your child is struggling with and what you might have tried to address the problem. And today I wanna particularly focus on the fact that if you're raising multiple children, then uh, what's what's going on with them, right? How can you prioritize both your highly sensitive child and your non-highly sensitive children when your highly sensitive child seems to be struggling the most? And so one of the things that we know for sure in parenting highly sensitive kids is that when you are prioritizing the, the, the child who has the most needs, you are in fact prioritizing the other children. Why? Because they're struggling in this dynamic too, okay? So I wanna talk about that today. And I'm going to use my own personal experiences to draw a highlight or, or parallel to uh, what we teach here at MTC because I am the sister of a highly sensitive child who is now an adult. And uh, that that has greatly affected my life, obviously. Um, It's now my life's mission to break out of the pattern that my family struggled with so much, help so many more families do do that. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to use my personal experience to, to talk about this today and, uh, you know, speak of it in, in context of why what I teach is so important for you, for your family and, uh, what happens when, uh, when there's a, there's a big challenge that's, that's, you know, left on, uh, unhandled. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, when, when left, you know, to, to work itself out, I should say. Okay. So. First things first, right? Obviously, if you have a highly sensitive child who's stuck in the meltdown cycle, they are losing their mind in some way, shape, or form, feeling out of control in their body. They might be hitting, kicking, screaming, yelling things like, I hate you, you don't love me, Uh, life would be better off without me, Um, saying I'm going to 
uh, K-I-L-L-U, right? Um, things of that nature. And this, your, your child might be saying this to um, their siblings, they might be saying this to you, or they might be saying this to themselves. And this can be happening for children ages four and up, okay? Even younger children will say things like this. And parents might think, oh, you know, my kid just might have watched it on a show, right? But it's less frequent that, that children of that young age are, are making statements of that intensity. And we do serve families, uh, children two and up. So make sure that you're listening in because if it's happening that early, then uh, there's definitely something seriously going on. And when we think about it from the other side of things, right, the other child who's witnessing this, who's struggling in, in the same family dynamic, we have to take a look at the, um, the piece that I'm covering right now, right? Uh, this is a family dynamic problem. The entire family is impacted by one child's behavior because that one child, the highly sensitive child, is the alarm bell, alarm bell, fire alarm going off in the house saying, hey, something's going on. I don't know how to manage my big emotions. What, the, what, you know, what we're doing to, to help me learn this isn't working. And I'm, I need to tell everybody about it. Okay, so the, the meltdowns happen. The, the sensitivity uh, starts um, being lit on fire in the highly sensitive child's body. But make no mistake, your highly sensitive siblings, uh, highly sensitive kids' siblings are also struggling in managing their emotions. It just might not be as visible or as detectable for you to notice. And so this is what part of the things that we're gonna talk about today, okay? So first things first, we, we know that highly sensitive, uh, siblings of highly sensitive kids, I keep, <laughs> I'm gonna correct myself here. All right, we're gonna just go with siblings, all right? You've been listening to me for a few minutes now. Siblings of highly sensitive uh, kids, right, is what we're talking about here. So siblings, your other kids who are not highly sensitive. Um, obviously, take this if you have more than one highly sensitive kid, take this to mean that both are struggling, whether, whether they're um, presenting or not, right? But I wanna, I wanna make sure that we're not fooling ourselves here when we look at parenting highly sensitive kids and non-highly sensitive kids that uh, it's just your highly sensitive kids problem, right? Um, really need to be highlighting the family dynamic issue and that your non-highly sensitive kids are struggling with the skills that you're trying to teach as well. They're just not as prevalent, intense, or pervasive as your non-highly sensitive kid is uh, struggling with it. So let's cover that, all right? So when, when you are trying to work this out, you might be trying to teach coping skills. You might be trying to support your sensitive child directly by saying, oh, you know, breathe with me, work on this. Let's, um, let's take a break, go to your room. And, and when you calm down, I can help you. Stay away from your sibling. When, they're, when you're frustrated, keep your hands off your brother, right? all of this going on. Um, you know, my, your brother, you, we don't use language like this in your ha in this house. It's not fair to call your brother stupid, all of this. Okay. And so when you're correcting your highly sensitive child on their ineffective language, on, uh, the challenges that they're having, or you're trying to teach them how to manage their emotions, that's leading to the behavior. Then, uh, what's important to notice is that the sibling is obviously watching, right? Sibling is noticing how frustrated you are, noticing how stuck you are, noticing that big emotions are not safe. 
they're not safe. And so what does the sibling do? The sibling learns that they have to keep it in under wraps. They have to keep it in control. Okay. Now, why am I saying uh, this? Because this is the exact message that I received growing up in a household with a sensitive sister who didn't know how to manage her emotions. and, And our parents were stuck in the meltdown cycle. Not for lack of trying. Absolutely not. Uh, my mom was, was trying to teach her how to, how to manage her emotions, but she was also teaching her how to manage her behavior. And when using a traditional parenting approach, like sticker charts, writing lines, timeouts, sending us to our room, grounding us, all of these traditional-minded uh, parenting approaches. Now, again, this is back in the 80s. It taught me that I needed to keep my stuff together, and it taught me that I needed to basically be okay because the other kid in the house is struggling more, right? So this is what happens when you treat the highly sensitive child like a um, child who is broken. There's something that needs to be fixed in the house, okay? No child was put on this earth to be miserable. No child was put on this earth with the assumption that there's something missing from their personality, from their uh, their struggles, right? From their display of behavior. And instead, what we need to do is grow their skills, okay? And so when we look at it from that place, then, um, and you're trying to just fix the problem with your highly sensitive child, just teach them skills, just teach them um, how to manage their own emotions. What's missing is is the the impact that is um, just impacting the entire family, the the ripple effect, right, of where your children or other children are struggling in managing their emotions, and how the whole communication uh, focus is pervasive throughout the family. So what happens is uh, sibling learns that big feelings are not safe, that big feelings are not okay, that we need to keep it together. And big, big, and sibling learns to stuff it. Okay, learns to stuff their emotions, to either become perfectionistic, or they learn that um, their behavior just isn't as big and isn't as necessary to handle. So there's um, there's a invalidation experience happening for the sibling. Um, this isn't as I don't want to bother you because obviously my siblings' uh, big emotions are much bigger. So let me keep it, uh, keep it together and uh, numb myself to those emotional experiences. Now, children who are learning to stuff their emotions or to numb themselves to their emotions learn to deal with them to an extent and then their behavior comes out in other ways. They might be yelling, they might be screaming, they might have their own angry outbursts, just not as frequent, right? And if you're exasperated dealing with the other child who's struggling more, then your patients can be really um, quite tight with your non-highly sensitive kids, okay? It can be really difficult for you to maintain patience with your children who are not in the meltdown cycle, who are not stuck with, with demonstrating these meltdown behaviors because you've been tired, right? You're, 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 you're frustrated and exhausted in supporting your other children. So when your other kiddo has needs, um, your non-sensitive sibling has needs, this can be really taxing. Wait a minute. I thought you had this together. Why are you behaving like your sister? Or why are you behaving younger than your age? Knock it off. Let's get it together. Okay. 
And so it's important as a parent of a highly sensitive child and a parent of multiple children to notice, even if you're not saying those words like knock it off, get it together to your kids, your lack of energy, your exhaustion, your frustration is sending the message that you can't handle more to your other children. And this is important to notice because when you're parenting highly sensitive kid, it, it, it is, it is, and when stuck in the meltdown cycle, it's a common symptom of the meltdown cycle to be exhausted, to feel frustrated, to feel constantly frustrated and, and overwhelmed and stuck, right? And so it's important to notice that this isn't an inherent flaw in you as a parent. This is a symptom. And so when we look at it from a bigger perspective that you are struggling too, so is your highly sensitive child. And as a result, it's impacting your other uh, siblings. Then we have hope, right? We have a, a realization of, wait a minute, the way that I've been trying to solve this problem just simply hasn't been, uh, it isn't moving the needle. Now let's make sure that, I un that we understand what it is that you've been trying to do, right? We already went through coping skills. You might've tried essential oils. You might've tried to uh, slow the child down by getting them into different uh, classes, emotion management classes, social skills classes, yoga, uh, therapy, right? All of all of these things. And so you're carting your kid to um, all over Timbuktu in addition to getting them involved in the community through extracurricular sports, um, you know, to include dance and um, uh, scouts and soccer, etc., right? not to mention the other kids who have other, um, other plans. And while you're trying to do all of these things and add all of these things to your plate, it's important to notice how some of those uh, action steps are actually keeping you tired and they're not actually supporting you in uh, breaking out of the meltdown cycle, okay? So when we think about this, it's important to next notice that when you are dealing with all of these kind of piecemeal approaches to supporting your sensitive child to break out of the pattern, the guilt is, is quite high for you as a parent. You can feel very uh, frustrated, but also stuck that you're not giving enough attention to your other children. And they might not ask for it as much either. And so it might be difficult to wonder whether or not your guilt is based in reality. Um, you know, is there something to feel guilty about? Um, you know, in terms of comparing, if my highly sensitive child seems to need all this time, but my non-highly sensitive children don't seem to ask for it, well, maybe I'm just, you know, making something out of nothing, right? Um, am I demonstrating equality based on time or based on quality of time, right? Um, in my in my household, what am I gauging this by? And so it's important to notice that if you have multiple children, that there is, a, you know, an important awareness of how much time that you're spending with either with with you know each child, and it's not just a matter of quality. It, it is a matter of quantity because uh, highly sensitive children and non-highly sensitive children think in the here and now. If I don't see my parent here now, re frequently, regularly, and they spend a lot of time with me, then I won't be able to gauge quality because I'll be thinking that it's just too scarce for me to notice, okay? So it's really important for you to pay attention. Am I, am I just uh, able to give one-on-one -on -one time to my non-highly sensitive uh, child once a week, um, you know, a couple times during the week for maybe 15, 10 minutes, and, um, 
for them that's not enough but they're not able to ask for it because they themselves also struggle with the skill sets that we're talking about here I, you've heard me say in other shows that highly sensitive kids struggle with this with the skill set of asking for what they need in a developmentally appropriate way same skill set required for your non-highly sensitive child and so when we teach high, uh, parents of, of, of in this dynamic I draw from my personal experience as a child in this type of household. It wasn't okay for me to ask for what I needed. It, and that was, like I said before, my parents would say this, you know, you got to speak up. You got to tell us what you need. You got to um, teach the, you know, ask the teacher for um, support if you don't need it. Let's get you a tutor. Do you need, you know, more support and calc, right? Because that was definitely not my skill set. And so we figured that out. But it wasn't until after I was struggling for quite some time because I wasn't capable of articulating, I don't understand the topic at hand. I don't understand what I need. I don't know how to get more support. I don't know that that's possible. And being the oldest, um, getting a tutor just didn't seem like something, I didn't have the reference point for it, right? What I did need the reference point for was that I needed to be able to ask for help, okay? And instead, the decision to get me help came from my parents because even in high school, um, I still didn't know how to ask for help and how to receive help and how to take it in. Now, I will tell you, calc uh, still wasn't, um, you know, my, my highest and best subject even once I got the help because that's just not how my brain works. Um, advanced calculus is, is, not, um, uh, is not a process that I, I can comprehend easily, right? Um, Thank goodness I, I went to a school that offered calculus for liberal arts students in college. But um, what's important to understand is that the need was not met early on because I didn't know how to ask for it. And so that's a skill. That's a skill that you need to be teaching your children. You need to be teaching every single child to articulate, I need help in this way and here's what's going to help me um, meet this need before I start failing or struggling and failing to, to my um, ability, which for me and my parents failing, at, you know, in terms of my grades and, and what I was able to achieve at that age, uh, failing was a, was a C, okay? Uh, because it wasn't um, typical for me to be getting a grade at that level. Typically it was an A student. And so struggling so much um, and, and having that come out, you know, quarterly and, and second quarter, uh, at, by that time, it was too late for me to really understand uh, the high-level concepts that were taught at the beginning of the course material. So then I was playing catch-up. And so I want to use that example because it's pretty benign for me to share um, and also easy for you guys to digest, right? Um, I went two quarters, right, a whole semester, needing help, not knowing how to ask for it, not feeling confident asking for it in the classroom, right? And I want you to take a take this metaphor and or, or simile, and then take it in and apply it in other situations. If I was being mistreated in my peer group, which I was, um, I never asked for help about that. Nobody ever knew about that. If I was being, um, you know, felt inadequate in in different different angles of um, of school schooling, if I felt like I wasn't um, uh, enough in different subjects. So for example, athleticism was never a skill set until um, past college age until I finally found uh, a different way to exercise that I found found was um, rewarding. And to me, that was dance. But I never found a, a way to articulate that um, the 
methods that my parents were were trying to use to meet my physical uh, health needs were useful, but I also didn't feel not just capable, but also um, allowed to ask to for my parents to be made shifts because they had a lot on their plate. Okay, my sister was was struggling significantly. They had to spend a fair amount of time helping her manage her emotions and her overwhelm with her own schoolwork uh, that inhibited her learning process. They also struggled with her behavior because she was frustrated, stuck, overwhelmed, and upset. So she would yell often, and then that she would say things that she regret, including "I hate you." Um, and, and, you know, worry whether or not my parents understood her, say things like, you don't love me. And at, in the eighties, that was perceived to be a behavior issue. Uh, how dare you say things like this to me? Because of course I do. Right. And let me, you know, share with you and, and at times lecture you in understanding what, all what we've done for you and give you all of the logical reasons why, of course we love you. Okay. And so that was meant with obviously the high level of despair and guilt and frustration that my, ch my sister felt after the fact. Well, of course, all these logical reasons, I don't even know why I had this thought in the first place. Guess what, guys? My sister was struggling because she didn't feel validated in her emotional experience. Not because she didn't logically understand that my parents you know, put a ton of effort into trying to parent her and in trying to lead her and had uh, an enormous unconditional amount of love for her because in their mind, in their awareness of, of uh, their parenting tactics, it was unconditional. It was never ending, right? Um, however, we know now more about what, what unconditional love means. It means noticing um, it, as a parent, your own emotional triggers. It means inhibiting your need to lecture or yell in order to drill a, um, a, a point home to your child. It means that you will allow your child to make mistakes and struggle and watch them and guide them to make safer decisions. So it means not enabling them, right? For sake of losing your love, for sake of you feeling inadequate as a parent, for sake of you feeling too frustrated to continue to guide them. And so the challenges that my parents in, in our generation grew up with, and they didn't even realize were part of the dynamic uh, we as parents now in this generation get to notice and learn about what drives our behavior and we get to, to increase that awareness. And when we have that awareness of what triggers us and what leads us to yell and we feel guilt and we take action on, oh, guilt doesn't have to be the, the way that I parent from. <laughs> Let me figure out what to do differently, right? Then we get to decide that our feelings are not facts because in fact they are not. And when we decide that our feelings are not facts, we can take action on them. We can decide to change how we feel about a situation. We can decide that our child's behavior is not a reflection of who we are as human beings. And then we can realize, oh, the way that my child is behaving has no attachment to who I am as a human being. And when that happens, then we get to notice, well, then maybe the way that I'm parenting isn't serving my kid. And that has nothing to do with the quality of who I am as a human being. So then I don't have to take my kid's behaviors personally, but I can take strategic and specific action on my parenting strategy because now my identity isn't wrapped up in my parenting strategy and I'm not offended when people call me out on my parenting strategy and people tell me that it's not working, right? But if you take the feedback that what you're doing in parenting your child uh, personally and you have an offense to it, you feel guilty and you're not able to move out of that guilt, then that's a skill set gap for yourself as well. 
as a parent. And so when we look at breaking out of this pattern, then you get to notice, ooh, stuffing feelings, taking things personally, uh, needing to make other people happy in order to feel happy myself. These are all generational patterns and family dynamic issues that I'm teaching my children whether I like it or not because I'm having this emotional frustration reaction to somebody who knows how to break out of this pattern, me, uh, telling me, telling you that, um, that your approach isn't working. Okay. So there's your invitation. Your invitation is to break out of the pattern consistently. Right. And, and, and what, what does it take to do that? Um, I'm going to go, go into understanding, uh, how this impacts your, the rest of your family. Right. So when, when you don't break out of this pattern, yelling becomes normal, whether you like it or not, because if you yell out of reactivity and then you apologize, you're still telling people uh, in your family that this is just the way that we handle things. And no matter how hard we try, it's just going to keep on continuing, right? Or you're teaching them that stuffing feelings is normal, which is what I talked about earlier. And so when you learn how to manage your own emotional state, break out of the assumptions and frustrations so that you're no longer frustrated and, and assuming um, where, why your child is behaving this way. And instead you're understanding your child and you're able to help them um, manage their own emotions on their own. You no longer feel manipulated or frustrated or like your kid isn't getting it together and it's all their fault, right? Then you feel empowered. You not only feel empowered, but you also feel more capable of dealing with this um, with the meltdown cycle and breaking out of it yourself. And we call this from our, with our client, from our client's perspective, we call this zooming out, staying out of the situation at hand and looking at it from a bigger picture. How am I changing my child's behavior in the long term while also making short term strategic intervention um, decisions? And uh, that capacity to look at the problem from bigger than the fact that your kid won't put their shoes on today or they're not getting up and going to school today is a different skill set. It's a higher level of awareness, but it also is a higher level of assessment as, and, and then lastly, uh, action taking. So when we teach our clients how to do this, they stop thinking that when my kid yells, it's the end of the world. When my kid is throwing things and, and kicking and screaming, it's the end of the world and I'll never get out of it because you have a system to follow. Okay. What does that system entail? That system entails being able to, um, it, again, as I mentioned earlier, break out of the assumptions. It also teaches you how to be playful so you can increase that uh, communication and um, connectivity with your, in, within your household. Your children start to feel like everybody's feelings are okay. Everybody can name that they need help with managing those emotions and uh, that they can indicate earlier that they need help, right? Rather than waiting until they're fried to do that. And then lastly, uh, is, is that when you feel capable of managing this, then you can st take uh, strategic and effective action on changing particular, um, matters of behavior with your children. And every child gets served in that way. Okay. Cause what, one thing that we teach our child is that the process that we teach in, in our, uh, programming is, um, life-saving for highly sensitive kids. Cause again, they're the alarm bells. They're saying they wish they would die. That's a high uh, necessity to change your highly sensitive child's life at that point. Um, but it's also uh, life-changing and necessary for non-highly sensitive kids as well, um, highly impactful and relevant. So when we look at the family dynamic issue, 
all of what we teach our clients is applied to every single child in the household. We just help parents understand who to, who to prioritize first, as we talked about earlier. Okay, so if you've already been trying some of these tactics, some of these interventions like one-on-one um, -on -one therapy or um, you know, teaching direct coping skills, having special time with your kid, having um, these uh, communication conversations, here's how to talk to me differently, trying to uh, ruminate over and over again with your kid about what they could be doing better and differently next time, then, um, and you haven't been able to break out of the cycle, then it's time to have a conversation with us. It's time to uh, invest in, in the time and effort and support that it takes to actually break out of the pattern and um, potentially looking at working with us directly. So if you want to see if you're a fit for what we do, then we are happy to have that conversation. Book a breakthrough call with us. Uh, on that conversation, we're going to talk about where you're struggling, whether or not what we do is going to be a good fit for what you need, and whether or not your goals are a good fit for the, the results that we help our clients achieve. And your perspectives of, of where your child is struggling is, is in fact something that we help our clients achieve. And if that's the case, then we, we talk exactly uh, with you about how to um, work with us directly and, and solve that problem together. Or uh, if we feel like there's something that's more efficient or effective, or if your family's needs, like the meltdowns and shutdowns are stemming from something other than the meltdown cycle, then we will point you in that direction. So the conversation gets to be about um, staying out of the meltdown cycle, uh, regardless of whether that's working with us or not. But obviously taking the fastest and most efficient route to help your family. So again, happy to have that conversation. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you today and we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.